had any tests lately? Have you received any grades or evaluations lately? My guess is that a pretty significant portion of us here this morning probably would answer that. Yes, certainly all the kids that are in school, they've had tests lately. Not too happy about it either, but they've had their tests and their exams. Others of you may have had some sort of evaluation done at work. Maybe you had to uh, be graded on something that you do on your job. Others, of course, may have had some kind of medical test or evaluation and you received, in a sense, you received a grade or a report card as to how well you're doing physically. Well, all of those sort of things are familiar to us, but the most important testing of all is the testing that we ought to be doing for ourselves in regards to our spiritual status. Uh, in fact, that's even required of us, and we're instructed to do so. In the text that Monty read earlier from Galatians chapter 6, notice verse 4, let each one examine his own work, and then will he have reason for boasting in regards to himself alone and not in regard to another, for each one shall bear his own load. And so we are supposed to examine our own work. Another verse that teaches the same thing is 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not that your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobate. Both of these passages suggest the theme for our study this morning, and that is that we need to grade ourselves spiritually. We need to sort of have a spiritual report card. How are you doing? How do you stand spiritually? We need to do that sort of evaluation. The idea is to get a grade, to see how you're doing. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. How are you doing? How am I doing? How do we grade ourselves spiritually? Before we get into that discussion a little more thoroughly, we stop here just briefly to say thank you for being here. Welcome to everyone, to our visitors and our own members as well. We're glad for everyone who came out this morning to join us in worshiping God. It's a real privilege and blessing to be able to be together. We certainly hope and pray that God will be glorified by all that we do. Thank you for being here today. As always, if there are any questions about what you see or hear at College View, we want you to ask those questions so that we can sit down together, open our Bibles, and come up with an answer. Because we believe that God's Word is complete and thorough. It answers and provides for us in all spiritual matters. And if there's any questions about how we should be moving forward in serving God, those answers are in the Word of God, and we'd be glad to study with you about any such questions. Thanks to everyone for being here this morning. How do you grade yourself spiritually? Well, certainly this is a more important test than any other test you might. You might have a very important medical test coming up. Very important in regards to your, your physical health. That's important. This is way more important. Your kids at school, you may have some ex big exam coming up this week. That's fine. And I encourage you to study for that and do well. This is more important than that. This is the most important test of all. How do you stand before God? Sadly, there are some false notions of testing, or some false, I guess I would say more accurately, there's some false methods that people use to test themselves spiritually, to grade themselves in relationship to their spiritual standing. I want to talk about a few of those that are just simply wrong. For instance, there is the comparison approach. People will use this uh, idea to, to see how they're doing. It's, it's really a pretty easy thing to do uh, because all you have to do here is find someone who's worse than you are. And if you can find someone who's worse than you are, 
uh, then you can imagine that you're probably doing all right. And that's really not hard in our world at all. Pick up the newspaper and just give it a, a, a simple glance and you'll find news stories in there about people who are a whole lot worse than you are. And if you want to take satisfaction in knowing that you're better than others, that, that's easy to do, but it's the wrong standard. Think about the Apostle Paul as an example of this. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 13, he talks about himself before he became a Christian. He wasn't even a Christian yet. In fact, he was involved in persecuting Christianity. But notice what he said. Ye have heard of my conversation or manner of life in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation. Notice, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. His evaluation of himself at that point in time was that he was doing great. In fact, he was comparing himself to other people in regards to saying, I was a lot more zealous than they were. I was way up there. My enthusiasm and my excitement for serving God were off the chart. I was doing great. He wasn't even Christian, right? He didn't even believe in the Lord Jesus Christ at that juncture. He was persecuting Christianity. But his evaluation of himself in comparison to others is, I was more zealous than they were. I was really doing good. Of course, the verse that we often cite in this regard is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. We dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. It's not a wise thing then to use this comparison approach to try and figure out how you're doing spiritually. It won't work. Again, very easy to do. And any one of us here can find people who are doing a lot worse than we are but there's no satisfaction in it. That's not the true standard. Another uh, false approach that some people will try to use to determine if they're doing okay or not is to use what we might refer to as the minimum standard technique. Um, the idea here is if, if I can just get by, if I can just do the, the bare minimum. For instance, at school... Typically, the passing grade, if you're going to pass this test at school, you've got to get a 70, 70%. You've got to get 70% of the questions right or better to get a passing grade. And so, that's really all I'm shooting for. I'm shooting for just a 70. If I can, if I can just pass the test, if I can just pass this course, if I can just squeak by, and do the bare minimum. Or maybe at work, you have certain expectations on, on your job, and you're expected to hit certain marks uh, for evaluation purposes. You're supposed to do certain things. And if you're on the job and say, all, all I want to do is just hit the minimums. If I'm, if I'm supposed to make 25 parts this hour, I'm making 25 parts and not one more. I don't want to go, I don't want to exceed the minimum requirement at all. What about people who have that outlook in this physical world? What about a student at school who's only interested in just hitting a 70, just squeaking by? What about a guy on the job who only wants to do the very minimum amount necessary to keep the boss off his back? They're not going to be very successful, are they? Honestly, they're not going to be very successful without outlook. Well, I'm going to tell you, those who have that outlook spiritually also are not going to do very well. Those who want to just do the bare minimum and no more, they're not going to do well spiritually. These are the kind of people, uh, if you want a, a classic example of the person that I'm trying to describe here, this is the kind of person who says, where does it say that I have to be at church on Sunday night? 
Where does it say in the Bible that I have to be at Bible study on Wednesday night? Now, if you can show me in the Bible where it says I have to be there, I'll come. But unless you can show me I have to be there, I'm not coming. Well, we've always said the real problem with that attitude, of course, is a heart problem. Someone just trying to do the bare minimum. That certainly doesn't describe someone who's given themselves wholly to God. In Mark chapter 12, verse 30, Jesus says, Give yourself wholly to God. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. Does that expression suggest someone who's just trying to get by doing the bare minimum religiously or spiritually? Obviously not. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, in the Beatitudes, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. We've studied this passage before, and we understand that the word here for hunger and thirst are really strong words in the original language. The word hunger suggests someone who's starving to death. The one who is thirsting here, this is not a a mild word, this is a strong word suggesting someone who's about to die for lack of water. Jesus said you ought to desire God's righteousness like a man starving to death desires food, or a man about to die for thirst desires water. That is the desire that we need to have. It certainly doesn't denote someone who's just trying to hit some minimum out there. I just want to do that and no more. It's the wrong idea, and you will not succeed spiritually if that's how you're trying to evaluate yourself, if that's the mark you're trying to hit. Another faulty approach that some people use is the idea of sort of being between two extremes. Uh, uh, These are the kind of people who, uh, in their mind, want to strike some sort of a a balance. Uh, They don't want to be really evil and wicked. You know, there's some really bad people out there in the world, and they're doing some horrible, horrible things. You know that. I don't want to do that. I I don't want to be as bad as those really wicked people out in the world. But on the other hand... I don't want to be overly religious either. I don't, I don't want anybody to think I'm some kind of a religious fanatic of some sort. You know, I would hate people to think I'm some kind of a, of a weirdo. I've overdone my religion. So I'm going to try to, try to land sort of in the middle of that. I'm not going to be as bad as those really wicked people in the world, but I'm not going to be over here some right-wing religious fanatic kook either. I'm going to just sort of try to be in the middle. That's what I'm shooting for. Well, I'll tell you, that doesn't work either. And we need to be very careful of that idea. Jesus said it won't work. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, He said, No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Jesus, Jesus actually there described the idea of trying to go both ways, trying to hold hands with both elements, trying to be in the middle, so to speak. He says it's not doable. You're going to go one way or the other. And, of course, the problem with those who try to sort of hit this middle ground with the world, with evil, they always tend to fall that direction, don't they? In 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning verse 3, 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning verse 3, Peter said, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Notice, wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same excessive riot, speaking evil of you. Get the idea of what Peter's describing here. He said, back before we were Christians, we did all the stuff that worldly people do. And we wasted, basically, he said, when he says the time past of our life will suffice, he's basically saying we wasted enough of our time doing that, living that way. And we don't do that stuff anymore. Notice, he says, now they think it's strange. 
that you don't run with them to the same excess of riot. Let me just put it this way, and maybe this is the simplest way to describe it. If no one ever thinks that you're strange because of your religious convictions and the life that you're living, if nobody ever thinks that you are a religious fanatic, then my guess is that you're not doing nearly enough in trying to serve the Lord faithfully. If in contrast to the wicked world, people don't think that you're strange and sort of wholly given over to this religious business, if nobody ever accuses you of that, you're probably not doing nearly enough. You cannot hold that middle ground. In James chapter 4, verse 4, here's a plain statement. James says, Know ye not that the friendship of the world is enmity with God. Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. We need to take that to heart. And if, if any are tempted with this idea of the sort of between two extremes, I'm just going to hit that middle ground kind of notion. Uh, that's a wrong approach. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced there's an awful lot of people in this world who are in that category, and they're going about it completely wrong. Here's another false approach to grading yourself, to, to trying to determine your spiritual grade. And it's what I would call the, the checklist concept. Checklist, a, a list of things to do. Probably in our assembly this morning, if we were going to... Who's got the list? Well... You husbands may have the list of chores around the house that need to be done. You have the list. Your wife maintains the list. And you're supposed to get those chores done around the house. And so your wife has the, well, we even refer to it as the honeydew list, right? You got your honeydew list. You know the things that honey wants you to do or honey do this. I can, I can make my wife happy if I just check off everything on the list. I just got to go through the list. I got, I just got to check off everything on the list. And if I get everything on the list checked off, then she'll be happy with me, right? Well, maybe so with your wife. Maybe you could do it that way, but that's not the way you serve God. You don't serve God through a checklist mentality, checking things off the list. What does that lead to? Well, that leads to ritualism, doesn't it? We just go through the rituals. We just, we just hit, we're just checking things off. And, and we can do that without ever having our heart involved in what we're doing. Uh, and we know, of course, that if there's no real heart involvement in our service to God, then that's not going to please Him for sure. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 23, Jesus was condemning the scribes and Pharisees. He says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin, and have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. These ought ye to have done, and not to leave the other undone. We've talked about this passage many times in the past, but I think it's so powerful. What were those Jews of Jesus' day doing? Well, he says they were paying tithes. We remember that well, that was part of the Old Testament law of Moses, right? When you when you get a crop, you've got to give a tenth of the crop, a tithe. When you make a gain of some sort, you give 10% to the Lord. Well, they were paying their tithes. Were they, were, were they supposed to do that? Well, yeah, they were supposed to do that. But they were being very careful to do that. They were even paying tithes of mint, anise, and cumin. What's mint, anise, and cumin? Mint, anise, and cumin are just your garden herbs, right? Those are just seasonings. Uh, I always think of, of uh, in the in the pantry cabinet there at home, Cindy's got those little seasonings and just maybe in a little metal tin uh, of, of one of these spices, you know. And that'll last you for a long time because you only use a pinch at a time, right? And a and a, a year's harvest of mint, anise, and cumin, you might be able to hold that just in the palm of your hand. 
But these Jews were so careful about keeping the letter of the law, they would divide that up in ten parts and give a tenth of it to the Lord. Should they have done that? Well, Jesus said they should have done that. He said, these ye ought to have done, not to leave the other undone. So he's not condemning them for paying a tithe of their herbs, although that was a very careful thing. They were being very careful. They were doing the outward acts. But notice, they had left off, they omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, and faith. Those are heart matters, right? Those are matters of the heart. And they weren't doing those. And so... Jesus wasn't condemning them for paying tithes of their herbs. He said, these you ought to have done. But you should not have left done these other things, the weightier matters of the law, matters of the heart. And so this idea of just being able to go through and check things off. Just, I just got to make sure I got everything checked off. My heart's not really in it. That doesn't work either. That gets a bad grade, right? That gets a failing grade spiritually if that's the way I'm approaching my religion. Well, how about what I might identify as the IQ plan. IQ as in intelligent quotient. How, how, how much do I know? Uh, we all probably have had occasion to know someone who knows a lot about the Bible. Pretty good Bible student, in fact. And can quote a lot of Bible verses. Maybe even has the capacity to be able to explain really complex matters of the Bible But that person who knows so much never puts it into practice. He knows, but he doesn't do. What about that person? What kind of grade does he get? Well, James talks about such a person in James chapter 1, beginning verse 22. Be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. And so it's not just hearing or knowing what the Scripture requires. You can do that. And there are people who do. They know a lot about the Bible, but they never put it into practice. You've got to put it into practice. Jesus said, how, how fitting would it be or how... Crazy would it seem for a person to look in a mirror, see his flaws, and not correct them, turn and walk away. That doesn't make any sense. He says in the same way, it doesn't make any sense to look into the Word of God, see there the changes that you need to make, know what you ought to be doing, but not do it. That doesn't make any sense at all. Um, And so this idea of the IQ plan, knowing but not doing. How many times have we known someone's so I just can't believe so-and-so, he, see, he knows his Bible so well. How could he do that? Well, because he's just going, trying to go on what he knows rather than what he should be doing. Well, finally, let me suggest that there is truly only one real standard for getting a grade spiritually. You want to grade yourself? You want to know how you're doing spiritually? You want a true evaluation? Well, there is just this one true standard that Jesus described in John 12, verse 48. Jesus said, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. And so the word, that's the absolute standard. And it's not just knowing that word. That's what we were talking about a minute ago. It's not just the knowing of the word, but it's the putting into practice. In James chapter 2, beginning verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith and I have works. 
Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God, thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Faith without works is dead. And so the only way we can really grade ourselves is go to that standard, the Word of God, and put it into practice in our lives so that we have an active faith. Uh, you know, even the devils believe and tremble. Just believing is not enough. Uh, faith without works is dead. And so we need to put into practice what we know is in that standard of the Word of God. And so this ought to be really important to us to figure out where we stand spiritually. Where do we stand? Evaluate yourself. Grade yourself. As we, as we said at the outset in that passage that Monty read for us earlier from Galatians chapter 6, verse 4, examine your own work. Paul said Second 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, examine yourselves. You're supposed to do that. If you haven't been doing that, then you need to get busy. But as you do that, make sure you're using the only true approach, and that is the hold up the Word of God to your life. Make your comparison there. Are you doing what's taught in the Word of God? Have you done any self-testing lately? Uh, you should, as we've been saying. And if you have, then our question to you is, what does that say about you? What does that say about how you stand before God? If you've never obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation, then that test doesn't come back very good on your account. You're not in a right relationship with God. If you've never submitted to His will in your life, hearing His truth, believing it, repenting of sins, confessing faith, being baptized for the remission of sins, your spiritual test comes back with a failing score. If you've not done those things, you're not right with God, and you need to change that. On the other hand, if you have previously done those things in your life, but you've not been living faithfully, then it's possible to fall from grace. Galatians 5, verse 4 says, if you're, if you're not living faithfully, then you also have a bad report card spiritually, and you need to get that right. Coming back to God in repentance, confession, and prayer. Do you need our help in making your life right with God this morning? If so, we're ready to assist you. Let us know while we stand and sing this song.